Welcome everybody to episode five of our podcast. Today we are talking about canned meats. I'm with I'm your host, Jacobson Valentine. I'm here co-hosted by Caleb Robinson. Say hi to Caleb. What's up? <laughs> uh, today we're gonna talk about canned meats. I mean it's one of the things that uh, as chefs, I guess we kinda like, you know, very solemnly use when we we're really poor and then now as we get older and we have a little bit more money and a lot more class we don't really go towards that canned food canned <laughs> meat mix so um yeah man what, what like what are some canned items that you you grew up on eating oh canned items i grew up eating um my family really hated spam but I mean, all, all the families around me used spam a lot. Uh, mainly, what I grew up on was like, like we had canned chicken a lot. Canned house. chicken, yeah. That that is disgusting. I know, like, <laughs> yeah. like the whole chicken in the can, or no, like, no, 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 no not that bad. Like okay. like canned pulled chicken, we okay. use it in like um, uh, casseroles and stuff like okay. that. And um, no, but other than that, my mom was actually pretty good about. Um, not buying canned stuff. Everything was just frozen. Um, a lot of frozen stuff. A lot of house. frozen stuff. Oh, man. But canned meats have always excited me because it's like, how'd you do that? Right? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think as chefs, it's really, it's really kind of crazy to think about. Like, it has been like one of those mystery meats that... Jeez, um, I should probably... Yeah, why don't you silence your phone, like, dude? All right. So it's, it's it's one of those things that, like, as chefs, we we sit there and we think, man, this would be a really awesome um, thing to recreate and like redo, and and it's one of those mysteries. Like, it's kind of lost in the secrets of time. But um, let's talk a little bit about the history of canned meats. So, like, uh, Caleb, you did a little bit of research about the history of canned meats. I was really excited because you were telling me a little bit about it. So. Tell the audience that is listening a little bit of history about where canned meats came from. Alright, um, I am going to try and condense uh, everything that I learned while I was researching. Um, by the way, if you want to go look up a more extensive, uh, more extensive research of this, uh, you can go and look at the BBC. They have a... Um, an article called The Story of How the Tin Can Was Nearly Wasn't, and it is, it's like an hour and a half long read. It's a really long article. Um, Jeez. Yeah, that's what I got most <laughs> of my information from. It's very extensive. It was very interesting. Um, but uh, essentially, there, if, if I'm getting all my facts straight, there was this guy, his name was Brian Duncan, um, and he basically... He was an inventor of sorts, and he there was a commission out to uh, by the French government to um, have something that would cure, cure scurvy in uh, sailors going off to sea, um, and because at the time they thought scurvy was caused because of the uh, the amount of salted meats that they were eating mm -hmm. and them going bad which turns out wasn't true but he came up with this way before pasteurization was actually 
invented, he basically was pasteurizing things in jars and then eventually into cans. Um, and basically gave it to the nobles to try. And so he started out with, um, with uh, beef, just like straight beef. Um, basically canned it um, by via the pasteurization process before it was really known what that was doing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, the, the nobles loved it. The nobles of France loved it. And he got uh, 12,000 francs at the time, which... Is this was in the eighteen hundred early eighteen hundreds, so that's hundreds of thousands of dollars U.S. So now. you just you just you just won won the lottery just yeah. for inventing something that is literally revolutionizing, I guess, for the time France itself. Yeah, and um, at the same time, there were other people um, who took that canned method and improved it a little bit in England while the f- French and English were fighting at the time. Um, and funny enough, the inventor who invented it in England was actually a guy just covering for another Frenchman who was secretly <laughs> living in England oh, and, wow. and creating these canned meats for their sailors. Um, so just added on to the many things that the French have done for the world, <laughs> right. uh, canned meats. <laughs> there we go. Um, and it, it, it picked up, uh, both not only just in the military, the English the and the French military both started just buying crap loads of this stuff yeah. and producing it on a massive scale. And um, there was a Russian, I believe, yeah, it's Russian company. Might be scanning. Yeah, Russian company, sorry. There's a Russian company that started making canned meats as well for the Russian government. Um, and their soldiers, and then it grew into, it was in the supermarkets and everything else like that. Well, the markets, there wasn't really supermarkets back then, but um, then there was a big scandal where everybody got sick um, <laughs> because the Russian company that was making canned meats was doing it wrong. They were not pasteurizing it properly, even though, again, at this time, no one really knew what pasteurization process was. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know that heating it up to can it was killing bacteria. They yeah. just knew that it sealed it. And so uh, the Russian company wasn't doing it properly. So people were getting sick, people started mistrusting canned meats, and sales dropped incredibly, all, just completely tanked. And then came along condensed milk. Hmm. Someone figured out how to do condensed milk in a can, and that actually brought back the... Uh, the trust in canned food as long as it was done properly. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so just a little recap. So pretty much they invent the French invented a can method. The Russians ruined it. Like they ruined a lot of things. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Russia. Um, and then we brought it back and said, oh, okay, well, you know, we made condensed milk and it actually made made it. Uh, you know, people trust a lot more. That's awesome. No, I, I love the science behind like, canning. I think, um, you know, the fact that canned meats, especially when I was a kid um, in warmer climates, stuff went bad so quickly. Even when you had a refrigerator, just things so went bad so quickly. So to actually have, like, canned meats in certain climates actually saves uh, a lot of money and you actually get just as good nutrients and, and um, you know, protein that you, you're going to need. So um, let's talk about our first uh, canned meat. Um, uh, of course, coming from Hawaii, 
one of the biggest things that uh, people in Hawaii eat is spam. I love it. I will eat it every day if I could. Um, it was like more of a weekend thing that my mom made fried spam with uh, eggs and rice. It was the greatest thing ever. Um, what was your experience with spam? Uh, spam, a lot of my uh, Hawaiian friends and uh, Samoan friends that I live with their parents always cooked with it. So when we were over there, Spam and Rice. Spam and Rice. Spam and Rice oh, was, the, was the ish. Was the ish. All right. So a little history about Spam. So Spam actually started in 1937. Um, it was produced mainly because uh, Hormel was running out of uh, things to can. And uh, they had a bunch of pork shoulder that they're like, well, let's figure out a way to actually make pork shoulder uh, work. And one of the things they did was um, they put like a lot of salt and they put it in the can. But what that salt did was draw a lot of liquid. So you had a can that was filled with water and the pork was dried out. So it wasn't really that appetizing. So through tons of experimentation, um, spam came around. They put a little bit of ham in it now, but back then it was just 100% pork, sh uh, pork shoulder. So it was really like awesome. And then um, World War II happened. And spam was pretty much the uh, the meat of choice that the army could afford. It was really cheap. They bought it in bulk, and it became um, at least for people in the military the worst thing to ever happen. <laughs> uh, people in the military had it for every single thing, every meal, everything they could do with it. Like they were inventing ways, and it's not that they hated the taste of spam. It was just the fact that they had it every meal yeah. for years. Um, so they even made up a song to it, uh, like a, like a, how bad spam is and everything like that. <laughs> so if for the most part, um, in the 19, around the 1940s, uh, when, you know, the war was over, spam kind of had a bad rap, but eventually, um, since World War II, a lot of spam were actually, in, was in Hawaii because of the war and everything like that. Hawaii actually adopted it and actually like embraced it and actually became really popular in Hawaii. Um, so cool thing about spam was it was, you know, room safe, you can fry it, you can boil it. It was, it was just like universal. It was, they cut in ham now for flavoring, um, which is really cool. Uh, I guess it would be a lot more texture difference. Um, the main ingredients in spam was, uh, sugar, pork shoulder, ham, potato starch, which was its binder, uh, sodium nitrates as a preservative. So that's why when you pull out a can of Spam, it's still nice and pink. It's that sodium nitrate that, that actually um, gives it the color. So eating Spam, totally okay, just raw, but you know, definitely want that Maillard effect when you put that proteins in there with the sugars and have that caramelization, that makes Spam, oh, so good. I think that's what a lot of people like do wrong, is they think, you know, canned food, they're like, oh, canned food sucks. I'm like, well, you gotta cook it. I mean, it's just <laughs> like anything else. So, um, yeah. So what was the was so you you did research Caleb about uh, corned beef hash. Tell me a little bit about corned beef hash. Um, well, the interesting thing about corned beef is that it has nothing to do with corn. Um, which <laughs> was all right. So oh so the the, na the name the the, the 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 corn part comes from what they call rock salt, which is the the nickname for rock salt is corns. Hmm. So corned beef is treated with rock salt, aka corns of salt. Therefore, it is corned beef. I just learned something new today. All right, yeah. awesome. Um, so 
it has some alternative names. Uh, it's called salt beef or belly beef if it's canned. Um, nowadays on the shelves, again, most of the time it's just called corned beef. Uh, it was really popular in World War One and World War Two uh, for the same reasons as spam. It was really cheap and canned, and they could throw it around everywhere. Yeah. Um, and currently, it remains really popular in Canada. And what they do a little differently is they smoke it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's a little smoky flavor to it. I like it. And apparent, apparently, its its original beginnings are a little bit of a mystery, which is kind of funny because it's also a canned mystery meat. Oh, um, but uh, it derives originally um, from ancient Europe and the Middle East, which is where they would use the the salt to corn the beef. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually, someone decided to can it. Okay. And so, yeah, Europe is all about that canning. I like it. I know. I like it. So, um, so what's usually in like corned beef in the can? In the can? Yeah. It's, it's just corned beef? It's just corned beef. Oh, man. I remember like when I was a kid, one of the biggest, like, like greatest things my grandma used to make was corned beef and hash. Mm-hmm. And there was like a can of corned beef and it had potatoes in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You Dude, can buy the hash already in there. That was so yeah. awesome because you just pop the can out and it comes out like a giant tube <laughs> and you flatten it and then you get it really crispy. Oh, man. That was like my childhood. I need to go get me a can of that. That was so good. That sounds delicious. I'm going grocery shopping after this. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is the uh, Vienna sausage. So Vienna sausage is actually really cool because it has nothing to do with the city of Vienna. Mm. Um, yeah. So Vienna sausages uh, originally are from German Germany, and it's actually uh, it's from a place called Viennis in Austria, uh, in Austria, Germany. Um, this is actually where they get the word Vienna. Um, it's actually really awesome because like Vienna sausages for me are like the first, I think when I was a kid, it was like one of the first like things I ever remember making because there was two ways of making it and, uh, it's, you could take the can, open the can up, you throw it in the pan, fry it up and, or you could eat it raw. But like for me, the cool part was my grandma showed me how to make it in the can like you huh. just yeah so all we did was take the label off you open the can up you put it right on top of the stove like with uh, all burner, the juices in it still? with all the juices in it and once it starts boiling you know it's done oh, it was like one of the that. coolest like tricks i was like man i only ate it because it was like i get to boil things in a can <laughs> and it was actually really cool so um yeah that was one of the most like awesome experiences when i was a kid is just like boiling vienna sausages in its own juices which, in a weird way, is like braising. So it yeah. was like, oh, I learned braising at age five. <laughs> and yes, which is, I was which, just, which is funny because I honestly, like, to this day, have never had Vienna sausage cooked. You've only had it raw. I've only had it raw. It's so weird to me. I can't have it raw. It's one of those things like, it, like it's such a texture problem for me now. But I remember when I was a kid. I'd, just, op- I'd, I'd sneak into the cupboard, grab like four or five cans of them, go sit down, watch Godzilla, and just pop them open and just eat but five the, the cans jelly, of that. The jelly, the, the gelatin from all the fat and everything like that, that didn't bother you? No, you just drink it. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's, that's, that's a touch for me. Like, that's, like, that little, like, that little gooey, like, surface. I can't do that in Spam. I can't do it in Vienna Sausage. Like, it has to be cooked. Like, it has to be warm. I can't do it raw. Unless it's sardines. But sardines, that's my, that's like my go-to can, like, 
most people know about sardines. If you are like ever in poverty, sardines is like your go-to like oh, yeah. snack. Sardines and crackers for me, it, every day was rice. So like we always had a giant pot of rice. So like my mom would make like six cups of rice every day. Yeah, well, like the the chef of Prune, I'm blanking on her name right now, but uh, Prune's a, a restaurant in New York. She has a dish where it is literally like her favorite canned sardines, like Triscuit crackers and pickles. Yeah, and that's, that's like it. one of the dishes they sell yeah, there. The and it's, it's yeah, and it's and it's to like remind you of home. And she's, yeah. and she tells this really cool story of like how she used to sit on her stoop and just eat canned sardines and. Uh, with a pickles. bunch of prostitutes. Yeah, with a bunch of prostitutes. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love that story. Yeah. So uh, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, for the most part, like canned foods has definitely been a really big influence when it comes to like trying to make something out of nothing. Um, I think definitely for the poor communities, uh, it has been a really big staple. And even, even for the people that are like, what's really funny is I went to uh, Gresham High in, uh, in Oregon. In Gresham, Oregon, and uh, nobody knew about spam. No one ever had spam. <laughs> and uh, my mom, every time we went, like we had like a field trip, my mom would pack me a bunch of uh, spam with bees. So I'd have like nine or ten of them, which I would eat. Like honestly, I'd eat like four of them. But then I'd be, she's like, "Well, you can just give them to your friends." And uh, we went to a choir trip, and uh, I had a bunch of spam with bees. And I was passing it to my friends. And they're like, "What is this?" I was like, "Oh, just it's just spam with bees." Like, what's spam? And they would eat it, and it was, like, the greatest thing ever. And, like, just a bunch of random, like, white kids eating Spam Moose Bees. Like, and it's just, like, the greatest thing ever. And then all of a sudden, they hear about the stories about Spam, and then it's just like, oh, I can't believe I ate that. Like, you guys are idiots. Like, it's good food. It's, like, you don't sit there and eat a giant can of Spam by yourself. I mean, I could, but I don't really want to. That's that's. (laughs) And the cool part about... You have to go back to the gym if you do. Oh, I, I, I went this morning, leg day. Exactly. I know by the time I woke up this morning, I have a text that's like two hours old. You want to go to the gym? I'm like, dude. No. No. <laughs> no. Exactly. All right, so that ends uh, episode five. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys really like this. Make sure you guys give us a thumb up. Share with your friends. And, of course, uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been following us. Follow us on Instagram at Feed the Mass, Twitter at, at Feed the Mass. Uh, Snapchat at Feed the Mass, and of course Facebook, Feed the Mass, PDX, got to add the PDX to the end. Um, But other than that, um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, This is Jacobson Valentine. Caleb Robinson. And uh, God bless and... Uh, Hail Odin. Hail Odin. I like it. All right. See you guys. Have a wonderful day. Bye.